Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Some praise together. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Let's turn to the book of Psalms together, chapter number 91. Psalm 91, we're going to begin with verse number 1. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord. Man, you really... Sometimes we don't understand that or remember it until you're not here. Miss out on a few worship opportunities and you come back. It's like, glad to be back. It's good to be home. Amen. It's interesting. I I have a, uh, for lack of a better way of expressing it, I have a pen pal. uh, It's done by way of texting. It's not old school pen pal, but uh, who lives in the country of Israel. And uh, he's helping me with my... Uh, Hebrew language studies, so we, we talk back and forth a couple of times a week, and I asked him what he does on the weekends, and uh, he's, a, he's a practicing Jew, so he's very religious, and he said his weekends, Bishop, were full of meals, I could go for that, full of meals, time with family, time with friends, and going to the temple, and I thought, Lord, have mercy, we ought to be able to relate to that, that's what our weekend is. It's 50% of our weekend is going to the temple, the house of the Lord. And uh, I, I was able to resonate with that in my spirit. And I'm so thankful for uh, my upbringing. I'm so thankful for where the Lord has brought us to at this point in this house today. I love my church. Amen. How many love your church family this morning? Amen. We're so thankful for, for each and every one of you today. Psalms 91 and 1. Uh, says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning on this, this thought. Trusting in the dwelling place. Trusting in the dwelling place. Bishop, would you pray and ask the Lord to touch us today? Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, we need you today. Amen, amen. Somebody say amen. amen. You may be seated. Every one of you this morning speak Hebrew every time you come to church. Two most popular Hebrew words spoken in an apostolic church is hallelujah and amen. They're not English. Amen. Just a little trivia for you today. Psalms 91 and 1. Uh, I, I love this chapter and this, this set of writings. It says, He that dwelleth in... The secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow 
of the Almighty. I want to take a little time this morning to kind of walk through uh, this verse, these two verses, and try to see what the, what the Lord would say to us through, through this as we break it down. The word dwelleth means in the Old Testament, it comes from a Hebrew word, yashab, which means to sit down, to remain, to settle, as in settling down. It also means to marry, which is interesting contrast by way of, of settling in. But to, to dwell in the secret place of the Most High requires more than just an hour of worship on Sundays. It requires careful, intentional, conscious effort. We often do that on Sunday. Nothing wrong with that. But you can come to church on Sunday and not be dwelling in his secret place. Dwelling requires a particular course of action. So I want to break down the difference, and we're going to do it very, very simply like this. You can come to church. I've done it. And if we were to poll this congregation, I dare would say, I'm not a gambling man, but I, if I had to place a bet, I, would, I think I'd be right this morning. Probably every person in this room at some point in your life have done this. I have at times, Brother Terry, come to church, and come to church was all I did. I just checked in. It was almost like a Facebook status. I was just here. My mind was somewhere else. My physical body was here. My, my, my heart and my spirit could care less. Right? If we're honest with each other, we're human. You cut us, we still bleed. Just checked in, was just at church, so that I could tell someone socially, what'd you do on Sunday? I went to church. Feels good. That's the socially acceptable thing to do in a lot of circles. Go to church. Now, the other category, though, of coming to church is when I get here, my mind, my attention, my heart, my focus are all turned intentionally for a few moments of time toward the purpose of why I'm here. I come to settle in. Now, that doesn't, I'm not implying that we come to get comfortable, necessarily. But I come to settle into the idea that for the next 120 minutes or 90 minutes or however long our services are or should be for the next matter of time on temple day on God day on Sabbath day that I have come to church not just to check off a status but I've come to settle into the idea that I am here to worship I am here to glean I'm here to give I'm here to receive from the Word of God. When we remain somewhere, we stay there. You know, I, I never did like none too much to have a guest come to my house that as soon as they come through the door, they're looking at their watch, scratching for the door. 
I, I just, I just never felt real good to me. It's like if you're going to be looking at the door, why'd you come to begin with? If I'm going to fellowship with someone, I want to have some devoted time to spend with them in harmony and in fellowship. I don't believe God wants anything different from us. That when we come to His house, He doesn't want us to just check off a status and say, uh, okay, God, I'm in the building. I was at FAC on November the 12th, Sunday morning. I was there. I went to church. But I want church to go in me. And in order for church to have an impact in my life, I've got to get in the dwelling place. And the way that I can get in the dwelling place is to make sure that every church encounter I have, Every worship experience, every God experience that I have is intentional. Life is either intentional or accidental. You either do something or you sit by and let whatever happens happen to you. Those are the two basic options. And there's two categories of people that fall into those. I want to be in the intentional group today. I need to be in his dwelling place. I need to settle into my worship. I need to settle into the idea that I'm not here to with leaving on my mind. Amen. We've all done it. I'm not here being judgmental this morning. There's every one of us at some point in our walk with God, we've had leaving on our mind as soon as we got here. What I want to do today is rally us around an idea of getting back to the place of not settling into that idea, but settling into the focus of knowing that while I'm here, I might as well see God. While I'm here, I might as well talk to Him for a little while. While I'm here, I might as well get in His presence. And I might as well make this an intentional time of focus, worship, and time in His presence. You know, time is an interesting thing. You hear people, time is at the, the forefront, it's the nucleus of the excuse of most people. I didn't have time. Well, I would challenge you today to write down, and, and I, I say it, there's times I say it that I feel like I'm right, and I'm probably not, but I feel like I am. But if we were to write down everything we did in the day and monitor how we spent our time, we might find some time. You know, I, I, uh, I use social media in a, in a certain way. It's very careful. But I'll get on Facebook every once in a while, Brother Fred, and look around, especially on the weekend. And I've noticed, if you're not careful, even just innocently scrolling through, looking at your friends and hitting the like button and smiling at cute little videos or whatever, it eats up some time. Especially whenever you look at a video and all of a sudden you find out it was five minutes long and 30 seconds in, you're like, well, I, I don't want to stop. I want to see how it ends. This is really funny. And before you know it, you've eaten up 20, 25, 30 minutes. Yet we want to make excuse that I can't be intentional with God because I don't have an hour and a half to spare. intentionality says I'm going to focus my time more carefully on that which is right which is better God or socializing I know everything's not that cut and dry but you understand what I'm saying this morning 
We have to be intentional by getting into his presence. Just coming to church. Just coming to church is, 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 is good for certain people. It's good for people that don't know any different. It's good for guests, visitors. It's, it's, good, for, it's good for children. I was drugged to church by my parents a time or two. I didn't want to be there. Thank God they took me. But for those of us that know different and know better, just being here is not enough. I must dwell in his presence. So when a person settles down, especially in marriage, they stop searching. That's, that's, that's the key this morning. They stop searching, they stop shopping for that special someone, and they begin settling into a relationship with the one that they found. And if we, are dwelling to, if we are to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we've got to stop shopping. We've got to stop searching around everywhere and, and, and put some roots down somewhere and say, okay, this is the house of God. This is where I'm going to dwell. I'm going to spend some time with Him. I'm going to allow my relationship with Him to grow every time I'm in His presence. If the only time I told my wife that I loved her was on our anniversary day, she would probably question. To build a relationship requires communication. And that communication has to be two-directional. It's got to come out and it's got to come back in or you don't have a relationship. Every time we're in the presence of God, we need some communication going back and forth. And that comes by way of prayer. That comes by way of worship. That comes by way of the Word of God. When the Word of God is, is, is expounded from this pulpit, God is speaking to you through words He wrote 3,000 years ago. But they're still fresh. They're still alive. His dwelling place is still just as real today as it was then. And God honors and desires for us to get into His dwelling this morning. <coughs> oh, could you lift your hands and thank Him today? <coughs> So where, where do we dwell? Because you can technically dwell anywhere. I, I never really understood that statement much until I saw a particular strip of property in the country of Israel, Brother Terry, out in the desert, and they're literally called sand people. They had little, little huts built out on sand dunes. And I thought, my, my, you can literally live anywhere. They dwell, you can dwell anywhere. But where should we dwell? We need to, as the Bible says in verse number 1 of Psalms 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place. The secret place is where we need to dwell. All right? The secret place is a covering or protection. It's a place of covering or a place of secrets. It's a place of quiet. It's a place of security. But the definition goes further than this. Now, I'm gonna, I know it's Sunday morning, and I know sometimes... 
some of us that aren't morning folk, uh, we may not have had enough coffee before we come to church, and it's a little hard to do a deep dive, but I'm going to deep dive here for just about 45 seconds, all right? And, and we're going to go deep, and then we'll come back to the surface for all of us non-morning folk. But the secret place, by Old Testament Hebrew definition, has a third alternate meaning other than covering and protection. And it'll blow your mind. It blew mine. It's backbiting. Now that's out in left field, isn't it? Backbiting. So what that tells us, and allow me just a moment to attempt to explain this morning, that getting in a secret place is not the point. We need to be careful to get into the right secret place. Because what occurs in backbiting is things are covered. Are you with me? Things are covered, things are secret. And what happens is an attack on the character or reputation of someone who's not present. Or we speak unfavorably about a person who's not in present company. It's in secret. It's covered. It's in a secret place. But just because it's in a secret place doesn't mean it's the right secret place. All right? The Bible tells us in the New Testament that evil, get this now, evil communication will corrupt good manners. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know that's translated from a different language, but that's pretty easy to understand. Evil communication. Things that are said from our mouth that aren't right, that aren't timely, that shouldn't be said, doesn't matter they're in secret. If they're wrong, they're wrong. And the end result is you do not have the privilege of being able to say whatever you want to say to no effect. It will corrupt good manners. The reason why we've got raised a generation that doesn't know how to treat one another is because of the subject matter of evil communication. <clears throat> so the point is, we as the body of Christ, we need to be in the secret place. But notice what the writer says. We need to be in the secret place of, that's leading us to the direction of where it's at, of the Most High. So that tells me, Pastor, that I don't have uh, the privilege or the latitude to just get in any secret place. If I am going to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, I have to be in the right secret place. Let me say it a different way. If I am not in the secret place of the Most High, I'm not really covered. I'm not really protected. Amen. So we have to be in the right place. Where is the right place? To start, it's the house of God. There is no better dwelling place than this building. 
Now, now dwelling place will go deeper than just this physical structure, but we have to start here. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're in that day. So coming to church has virtue. The Word of God supports us coming here. This is God's house. This is our dwelling place. But more importantly, the reason why this is a dwelling place is because this is where the Spirit of God abides. The dwelling place we need to be in this morning, saints, is in the Spirit of the living God. We need to be in an atmosphere that is conducive for worship. That only comes by intentional focus. Let, let, me, let me say it this way. You'll never worship God by accident. You'll, you'll, ne you'll never slip up and say, Whoo, I think I just worshipped. It'll never happen. I remember an evangelist at camp several years ago telling a story. He had walked up to, to some young man in an altar service at a different camp. He was preaching, and he asked the young man, he said, he said, Bubba, you want the Holy Ghost? He said, well, I don't know if I do. He said, okay, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get anything from God by accident. The Bible, Lord, help me today. The Bible does not support, I want to say this carefully, the Bible, let, me just, let me talk more about what the Bible does support rather than what it doesn't support. The Bible supports an opportunity where we have to come to God with a voice. And we have an individual opportunity. You have an individual opportunity to have access to God's presence. You don't need me. You don't need bishop. You don't need pastor. Take that carefully. I'm not, that's not a blank check. But you don't need us to get in His presence. You need us for biblical guidance. You need us for, for biblical rule and, and policy and salvation teaching. But something that, that we have always, always propagated in this church from the early days of Bishop even until now is that is you read your Bible for yourself. We're not up here telling you we're smarter than you and you shouldn't read. You get it out. You read it. You got questions, ask. This is a, uh, they used to say, no-so salvation. The Bible supports you knowing for yourself. Amen. So to do that requires intentional focus. You're not going to worship by accident. You're not going to get from, from uh, valley to victory by accident. Things may get better, but you still may not have victory. God desires us. Period. And He wants us to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Because there is faith in the dwelling place. How is their faith in the dwelling? The Bible says that our faith is increased just by the Word of God. The Word of God, ladies and gentlemen, is so powerful that I could flop on everything else I've got to say, but just by reading one scripture to you, 
your faith can be increased. You may not get anything out of what I said, but out of what the Word of God said, your faith can be increased just by those words. Why? Because that's how powerful God is. That's a good place to dwell. That's a good place to be. That's a good place to settle in and marry. New Testament gives us an analogy of marriage to the bridegroom. This is a good place for us to settle in like we're married and say, okay, God, I want to build a relationship with you. And I do that by intentional worship, intentional attendance. I do that by dwelling in His place. I need to settle in to the secret place, but not just any secret place. I want to settle into the secret place of the Most High. Somebody shout hallelujah. And in doing so, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall... That's a good word. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. A shadow is a shade or a defense. New Testament. Paul so full of a dwelling place, he walks by and his shadow cast on people. Just healed them. I want to be under the shadow this morning. How many want to be under the shadow of the Almighty? We draw strength in His dwelling place. Psalm 91 and verse number 2 says, I will say of the Lord, He, speaking of the Lord, is my refuge and my fortress my God, in Him will I trust. The word will, I will say of the Lord. The word will is a present singular first person verb that means I am going to. So I am going to say of the Lord. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He's my God. And in Him will I trust. Another scripture says God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. My God. I will address Him as my God. The God in whom alone I worship as the only being to whom the name God can properly be defined. He is mine. How many feel that way this morning? How many believe that He is your God? He is a personal God. And I am His. <laughs> In Him will I trust. How do I trust Him? How do I put my confidence in Him? I do it by making my home with Him. One of the first things that happens when a marital relationship loses trust is a separation. 
because they no longer want to stay under the same roof together. On the opposite of that, when you are in a trusting relationship and you marry, you are willing to embrace the other person. It's a trusting relationship. Uh, I tell you what, trust is something that we need to work on in this era. I need to make my home with him. I need to seek permanently to dwell with him. Uh, we, we had, uh, we, we had an, an employee at work uh, a couple of weeks ago come in. She had only worked there uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe a week or two. It was very short. And uh, the, the manager of the department was telling me the story afterwards, and I thought, my, my Lord, how sad, how, how troubling that is. But they, they, they saw this, this young woman standing at the time clock, Pastor, and, and, and she, was, she was taking a picture of her and her, her watch and the time clock, and she was taking a picture of what she was doing clocking in, and she was texting it to her, her significant other. I don't know if it was her boyfriend or her husband or, or what it was, but she was texting it because they didn't trust her and didn't believe she was at work. Every break time, same thing, another photo. Lunch time, another photo. And I thought, Lord, how sad that is that some are, are in such an environment where there's no trust, yet we have an opportunity to come into this house every time the doors are open. And we have access to the very God of the universe that created us. And He trusts us so much. And He embraces us so much that he, he, he opens up with open arms. Hallelujah. And He says, come on in. We've got a trust relationship. My grace will cover you. Just dwell in my house. Woo! Just come on in and dwell. Get in my secret place and I'll be a defense. I'll be a shadow. I'll cover you. Oh, could you lift your hands and magnify him this morning? In him will I trust. I'm going to make my home his home. Now let me take this a step further this morning. If we are willing to make His home our home, we've got to be able to do the reciprocal and make our home His home. We would be a lot more embracing of making the house of God ours if we would likewise be embracing of going home and saying, God, you're welcome here. I... I, I, I dare to believe this morning that the reason why we struggle making God's house ours is because we've not made Him welcome in ours. We need a trusting relationship coming back and forth between us and God, communicating praise and worship and adoration to Him. This is His home. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm instructing my soul today to wait only on God. I'm going to remain calm in my adversity. I'm going to commit my situations to Him. I'm expecting something from Him. I'm not telling you that I might can. I'm not telling you that I should or that I would or that I was going to. I'm telling you that I will. And there is a difference in posturing that you're going to do something than saying, well, I, I might think about it. People, you, you watch it. You watch it. You see if I'm right or not, and I don't think I'm wrong. You watch it. People that say, well, I was thinking about it, never do it. Goes back to intentional or accidental. 
Accidental people sit on the sideline and want to coach the team. Intentional people apply for the job. This is not about a might. This is about what he can do. I'm not just going to console myself because I'm in trouble. I will take this to myself even when I'm not in trouble. This is part of my faith. I'm secured in the blessedness of knowing who God really is. I will abide with Him. I will adopt this resolution and purpose for my life. Ladies and gentlemen, let other people speak of their doubt. I am not going to focus on their misfortune. I will say of the Lord, I am going to say it. He is. You put verse number two back up there, Brother Zach. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. My God. I, I kind of get a little bit of a sense of personal pride. You know, my, my son, I, I, I heard the statement years ago that every, every black crow thinks their crow's the blackest. And I think when it comes to parenthood, that's, that's a true statement. We, we all want to be proud of our kids. And I can remember, I can remember watching, watching my boy in, in school functions and different things that he would do, whether it be singing or playing the trumpet, playing the guitar. Brother Terry, I was probably more nervous than he was. You know, I had, I had pre-game jitters. Wanted everything to go great. Didn't want any malfunctions, no technical difficulties, no alarms going off. I wanted, I wanted everything to go great. And whenever, whenever, whenever it would come time for the performance, I'd sit there and, that's my boy. That's my boy. We, we had a guy, he played trumpet one year, I think it was eighth grade. We had a guy come up, and he, he was a parent of one of the other students, and, and he, was just, he was just beside himself. And, and, and my wife and I were like, yeah, that's ours. That's our boy. Proud. I was never so proud when he was a little boy. We were driving down the road one time. <clears throat> I don't remember where we were going, but we were driving down the road. It was a lengthy trip, and uh, we probably thought he was asleep, but he was, he was back there. We always listened to the music, of course, and he's back there, and he reared up, and he said, Mom, Dad, you think when I can get older, you think I can worship, I can lead worship like the two of you do? Now, that made me proud. I was more proud then than I was at the school stuff. House of God matters. Now, I said all that just to say that. I didn't say all that just to, to flaunt my boy. I said all that just as an example to prove when he says he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. When I read the words, my God, I'm thinking that somebody is saying, hey, that's, that, that's my God. That, that's mine. He's not just your God. He's my God. In the beginning, God created heavens and earth. That, that's my God. I, I think that's something we can take pride in today. This is not something for us to hide in the corner and say, oh, well, I'll go for a church. This is my God. I can be happy. I can be proud. I can be open. Because if I'm open about it and I'm not ashamed of it and I know he's my God, I'm going to stay right in the dwelling. Psalms 18 and verse number 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler. 
and the horn of my salvation and my tower. Psalms 3 and 3 says, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I don't have to hang my head down low. I don't have to let my lower lip drag the bottom of my shoes because God is the lifter of my head. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Psalms 46 and 1. I'm probably going to have to land the plane with this one. Psalms 46 and 1. Starts, starts with some writing. It's not on the screen, and that's okay. I'll read it to you because it's what's written in a print Bible. It's some of the prelude words that give you a brief description about what's getting ready to happen. We overlook them most of the time. And we want to get right straight to what God is saying. Now what God's saying here is God is our refuge and strength. I quoted it earlier. A very present help in trouble. Good verse, great verse. But I want to rewind just a little bit to, the, to what the print copy says leading up to the word God. It says... To the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a son upon Alamot, God is our refuge and strength of very present help in trouble. Now you're probably thinking, so what? Big deal. Still doesn't mean a whole lot. Just talking about a chief musician. We're done. But it goes a little bit deeper. The word Alamot is a musical term. The word literally transcribed in Hebrew means young ladies. That's what the literal translation is. But the figurative meaning is, it's used as a musical term denoting that the psalm which bears this inscription was to be sung by soprano or female voices. Soprano is generally looked to for the lead voice. It's often the highest voice in the harmony. In other words, the psalm with this inscription was to be sung with a high voice. Or it may be said not just high in pitch, but perhaps high in volume. It's a proclamation. Now, I don't have enough voice this morning to really do justice to how I would like to demonstrate this. But what I'm simply trying to say is, is these prelude words are describing for us that Psalm 46 and 1, because it bears this very specific inscription, is not a verse that you can approach and say, well, God is our refuge and strength, very present help in trouble. It's not meant to be read that way. It's an instruction piece to the reader to let them know how to read it. And the reading says... Say it loud. I can't do it this morning. I don't have enough voice. But in my spirit, I'm screaming it right now. God is our refuge. And strength. A very, say it with me. A very, a very, a very, a very he's a now God. There's times he goes before me, makes crooked ways straight that I don't even know I need to pray about. I can't count the number of times this year alone that I have went somewhere. It's probably Walmart. But I've went somewhere and got held up in the store 
aggravated because when I go in, I'm on a mission. <laughs> and I try to time my trip where I don't see too many people because they interrupt my mission. I want to get in. I want to get out. The place is a madhouse if you don't time it right. I can't count the number of times that I've went in. Now, for whatever reason, maybe I didn't see somebody. Maybe the line was just long because there's 32 checkout lines and they only open two. Don't know. I'll stay off my soapbox, but nonetheless, something delayed my departure. I was not able to get in and out quick enough like I wanted to. But whenever I would start back down 64, Bishop, I would see that there's two ambulances and a fire truck and a few vehicles on the side of the road. And I can't help but calculate that if I had left when I wanted to, Come on now. He is our very present help. He is our very present help. Sometimes it's just the whisper of the name of Jesus that does the job. Sometimes he's so present I don't have time to say it. That's how good he is. That's how much God I want to trust in today. I need to trust in the dwelling place. He's a place I can run. Stand with me this morning. He's a place I can run to. After I've rested, He is my strength. He's a very present help in trouble. This phrase is often misquoted as a very present help in the time of trouble. I'll declare to you this morning, it don't matter what time it is, He's still a help. We don't, we don't have to say time of trouble. He knows what time it is. I have present dilemmas. You have present deliverance. We have present problems. We need a present God. We need a present help. And He is our refuge and strength. He is our present help. I close with this this morning. I promise you I'm approaching the runway. There's a story told. I, I, I've used this before, but it's been a really long time, so I want to refresh it today. There's a story told in an article I read years ago. National Magazine assigned a photographer to take pictures of a forest fire. They told him a small plane would be waiting at the airport to fly him over the fire. The photographer arrived at the airstrip just an hour before sundown. Sure enough, a small Cessna plane stood waiting. He jumped in with his equipment and shouted, Let's go! The pilot, a tense-looking young man, turned the plane into the wind, and soon they were in the air, though flying very erratically. Fly over the north side of the fire, said the photographer, and make several low-level passes. Why? asked the nervous pilot. Because I'm going to take pictures, yelled the photographer. I'm a photographer, and that's what we do. The pilot replied very shockingly, You mean you're not the flight instructor? We need to carefully put our trust in the right place. I want to trust in the dwelling place today. I want to trust in the place where God's at. Would you lift your hands and just worship with me this morning as Pastor comes? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.